At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. This is Richard Nelson, and with me on this edition is special guest Gator Gaynor. He is a disc jockey, program manager, all-around good guy at WNKJ Studio, and I don't know if I introduced that right, Gators. Welcome <laughs> to the program. It's always fun to hear someone else introduce you as you sit there like, okay, okay, yeah, I'll take that Cause, one. Because you do wear many hats, and I know you you, you are here uh, mornings from mm-hmm. 5.30 until 2 o'clock every day in Hopkinsville at the WNKJ Studio, and... Uh, you, you you do a number of different things here. So. Yeah, that's true. In either case, welcome to the Commonwealth well, Matters. Thank you. Whoever I am and whatever I do, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a significant guy. I've gotten to know you a couple months ago in that uh, you're new to West Kentucky. You're new to Kentucky, for that matter, altogether. And uh, come from Oregon with an interesting background mm. uh, in uh, news talk as a, as a Christian, but who has been uh, working in... Uh, radio and in secular radio, if you will. Right. And uh, the reason I wanted to have you on was to talk about the topic of Christians in the marketplace. And you have been in the marketplace, so to speak, mm. and specifically in the uh, secular radio world. And I don't even like, I say secular, just to distinguish that between Christian radio. Um, and I don't know if that's a good term, but you've just been in radio. Right. And uh, it, it's been, and I've heard some of your stories, but I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, some of the contrast between Oregon and Kentucky, between secular or non-Christian radio, maybe, and Christian radio. Right. And uh, you, you've, you've got some interesting experiences to share. And part of my heart at the Commonwealth Policy Center has been to see more Christians engage culture, to engage these different arenas of influence, whether it's politics or the media realm or education or business, whatever it might be, and not just to engage them just in name, but to bring biblical principles to bear in those arenas. And you've had that opportunity while working in a news talk format in Oregon. A lot of people, especially within the church, they have this mentality that um, we are supposed to be completely, to some degree, separate from the world. Uh, and the reality is, is that we were told to go into the world to take God's love. And that means in all arenas. And depending on what your gifting is, uh, where your heart is, uh, what you have a, a passion for, God has equipped you for that. And not to be cliche-ish, but literally it is what is your gift and therefore where should you go into the world? A lot of times we as believers spend so much time behind the stained glass windows that we're preaching to the choir literally oh, and we're yeah. never going outside when our commission wasn't hey, invite people in, it was go to them. Yeah. And, and you're, you're referring, if I could jump in, you're referring to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Right before the ascension, Jesus said to go and make disciples of all yeah. nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. But it was a message to go. He sent them out, those who follow Jesus and believe that he was the Messiah and came to restore them and to give them life and life more abundantly. He gave them a charge. And like you said, it wasn't to just invite people into the church. It was for them to go out and bring the message to them. 
Right. And it specifically wasn't even to bring them into like our church so that they could get saved. I hear that a lot of times. Well, I'm hoping to bring them on Sunday so the pastor can save them or whatever the case is. Everyone's heard some version of that. And a lot of people have said some version of that. And the reality is, is we're to go make disciples, then bring them into the fellowship of believers. And that's actually how we're supposed to do it. And and don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to to point at people out. This is the path I had to take. Because when I was early on and I became a believer, I, I got gung-ho, I, I got really entrenched within the church, and then I kept getting stuck on that whole idea that outside of the church, we were not actually going. Mm-hmm. We did a great job of, hey, we have studied this, we know this, we have this great deep relationship with God, but we never went outside. And honestly, Richard, for me, I am more comfortable I mean, I love the church and I love believers and I love being around them. Don't get me wrong. The fellowship is important and I do have it. But to me, I just was more comfortable going and and engaging. And then the challenges, and I think this is where we're going to end up going. uh, The challenge was, okay, so how do I do that in a non-churchy, realistic, relatable way to people who have, and clearly, especially in this country, a very, very negative perceived viewpoint of the church and Christianity and of God? Yeah, and that's a, that's a challenge. I mean, when you're a new believer and you've just come uh, to understand the faith and you come into relationship with Christ, a lot of people are on fire. They're like, wow, this is powerful. This mm-hmm. is great. And, and you, you know, you get, I think maybe some get into the mindset that we got to get more people in here. And, it, and sometimes you can um, put off people, right? <laughs> and you're not careful in how you engage, realizing that somebody else in the workplace or maybe your neighbor is in a very different place than you are. Right. And they might just see as weird. Right. right. <laughs> you right. know, here's yeah, a strange well. guy. Something happened to him. Not sure what. <laughs> uh, maybe hit by lightning or something, but he's not quite there. But to engage the people where they are mm-hmm. in a careful way, that's a challenge for Christians. It is. And I've seen you do that, or listening to your stories anyway, but I have seen you do it as well. Uh, I want to get back to radio. You know, I think that uh, whether it's radio and the um, media platform or these other platforms, we don't see these as ministry opportunities generally. Right. I'm painting a broad brushstroke here, but... I think in the church, there's this mindset, an unspoken mindset that if you want to be really spiritual, then you should be a pastor or be a missionary. If you want to be a good church member, just make sure you come to church twice a week, uh, be in prayer and Bible study daily, uh, tell others about Jesus. But I think the faith is much broader than that. I mean, these are some important things. And yes, there's a very real calling to be a pastor or a missionary, and it is important that we practice spiritual disciplines. But there's much more to the faith than right. just um, doing these certain things. It's to be salt and light. In Matthew 5, Jesus said that his followers are the salt of the earth in the light of the world. It's about discipling the nations, as we just referred to in Matthew 20:18. It's about taking the good news and embodying the good news and living it out wherever God has called us. Right. And that's getting outside of the stained glass windows. That's getting outside of the church walls. And that is going into the world, just as Jesus said, go. Yeah, and and uh, that's what we're to do, and that's the challenge because we can find ourselves in a routine. We can find ourselves comfortable after a while of being, you know, coming to the faith. We forget that we're to go, as mm. you said, and to take biblical principles with us wherever we go. Gator, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, and when we come back, I'd like to hear some of your insights working in a big radio station, uh, news talk format. 
and bringing biblical principles into the conversations. You've been a radio host uh, for a number of years, and uh, and then how to carefully walk that path, understanding that not everybody listening is a believer, but when we come back, I'd like to hear more of your story. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Gator Gaynor, a seasoned veteran in uh, the news talk radio format. Seasoned like paprika. (laughs) You got a good flavor, Gator. (laughs) So how do Christians engage carefully in non-Christian settings? Mm. And and you've had an opportunity to, to be in a in a platform, an area of influence where you reached a lot of people and you also worked in a very secular culture. Oregon is not known to be a conservative bastion. And yet you had a high platform there on News Talk Radio. You did a two-hour talk show, live talk show, and you talked about the issues of the day. Um, How do you do that uh, as a Christian, understanding that many people listening not only are not with you in the worldview department, Mm -hmm. but they might even be hostile to some of your beliefs once they understand who you are and what you believe in. Yeah. And and unfortunately, especially in the West Coast, that was a very dominant thing. If they didn't agree with you, a lot of the radical stuff that you see on the news, if you see it on the news or other places, you're finding it. It just seems like it's from another country, another world. And yet here in the United States, there are parts of this country where it is very hostile. If you bring up anything that sounds remotely uh, religious, churchy, Christian, um, especially if you're any indication of what they perceive as a violation of human rights because they're trying to give rights to everyone. And I think they're mm-hmm. on this false campaign without realizing that we as believers, we're also on a campaign for people's life and their rights and who they are. And we want them to be uh, not persecuted. We want them to realize that that God loves them and that, no, we don't hate them even if they're making choices and decisions that we don't agree with. And, and a friend of mine who, interestingly enough, was a, was a uh, Christian married homosexual wow. said a phrase that I ended up using a lot. He said, disagreement does not mean discrimination. Yeah. And I thought, that is brilliant yeah. because I can disagree with you. And it doesn't mean I'm discriminating and I hate you and I want you to be you know, put away or put out. It just means I disagree with you. But unfortunately, he was one of the rare examples. Yeah of someone who could have conversation and attempt to have conversation that said, we're going to disagree and that's okay to disagree, but we're only going to come to some kind of resolution. If we both come, everyone comes to the table and says, look, I'm not here to convict you or change you. I'm just here to share with you. And if that information and as believers, especially if we're sharing God's news and if the spirit works through us and convicts, well, great. We were the tool. Yeah. We were actually doing what we were asked to do now to your whole idea of, 
um, you know, being a Christian in the marketplace, in the general marketplace, the non-Christian world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard this from a guy years ago. He said, yeah, if you're a plumber and you're a Christian, you're thinking, how can I be a Christian in my marketplace? What do I do? Yeah. I go to people's houses yeah. and I fix their plumbing and I get out and I move on. And then it dawned on him. He's like, wait a minute. What did I just say? I go every day to different people's houses. And while I'm working, maybe the conversation comes up. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just I'm singing a hymn. Mm-hmm. And someone goes, what are you, what are you singing? Sometimes he would wear a shirt. Mm-hmm. And so he started to realize that in a small way, he could go into his marketplace. It wasn't that he had to sign up for a mission trip and go to, you know, Bangladesh or Honduras yeah. or whatever, yeah. which there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But he realized every day I have an opportunity. I'm walking literally into people's homes. Yeah. And so for me in radio, I, I did the same thing. I was involved in Christian radio early on. And then I thought, wait a minute. I have no qualms of going in and being, you know, me, a believer, a child of God and figuring out, okay, God, if the conversation comes up, I am here and mm-hmm. willing. And and we talk about this with protesting. People go, well, I don't want to go near this store ever again because mm-hmm. they do such and such. Mm. And I stop and think, wait, that's, that's actually the place we need to go. Right. We need to go in there and have those conversations and yeah. just be a presence and a light because you never, you could go in 50 times. And then once something yeah. happens. Peter, I want to go back to this, uh, the example of the plumber who was wondering how to be a Christian influence in his plumbing business. And I would add to that, that he, first of all, should have done an excellent job as a plumber. <laughs> he should have yes. done a really top right. rate job, right? Bad witness if you do a horrible job and you're singing Jesus songs. Yeah, that's right. You probably don't <laughs> want to sing the Jesus songs if, if you're not doing a good job. And uh, we're good to point. do our work un- is unto the Lord. We're to, to work with excellence. And, and that means that we care about the customer or whoever we're working with. It means we treat them respectfully and kindly and I think when we get those things in order, then the Christian witness part will come out or we'll have more opportunities, if you will, to, uh, to witness in that sure. regard. Uh, I, I want to get back to another, another thing you said about this person in Oregon, very different set of values and different set of norms there compared to the Bible Belt here in Kentucky. And uh, this, this person who identified as a homosexual a married homosexual who's also a Christian. Mm-hmm. And the issue of homosexuality in Oregon is uh, very, uh, very much embraced. It's just a natural right, almost like on par with the First Amendment right, freedom of speech or freedom of religion. Being a homosexual is, is right up there, protected in law at the state level. Uh, and it's a very organized organization, a lobby. And we do have that here in Kentucky. But how do you, what would be your advice to reach out to those who are so much on the other side? Um, and, and with this case that you give an example, it sounds like he was a reasonable person that you could have a conversation with. But many Christians today aren't willing to engage in conversation right. or don't know how to relate or how to, what to do with that. Do you have any advice? On- yeah, sure. And here's the thing. This is key. Uh, and I want to make sure I say this at the beginning, and then I'll probably say it hopefully again. Uh, at no point did I give any impression that I thought God was okay with his sin? And he knew that, but we did that. We had that conversation in love. I didn't condemn him. I didn't thump him over the head. And I didn't say we can't hang out because we actually hung out regularly, but he knew that it wasn't, I was not endorsing. I was not supporting. So I want to make sure people understand that going and doing like, for example, what I was doing in Oregon, it was not a compromising. Well, I'm just blurring the line. Absolutely not. But that's the trick. What you're saying is because mm-hmm. so many people, so many believers will come in heavy handed. 
and they will come thumping and yeah. say, Hey, you're sinning. This is wrong. Angry, 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 angry. We want nothing yeah. to do with you yeah. until you fix this. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, right. as a matter of fact, gave us the example, the woman who was caught in her sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, we in this day and age, we keep separating. Like suddenly homosexuality is this great, horrible sin that's more sinful than an affair, mm-hmm. than fornication, yeah. than pedophilia, whatever. We have categorized them and we're like, oh, this is the big, horrible one yeah. because now it's been blended into marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on to your horses. The rest of them are probably coming later anyways when it mm-hmm. comes to marriage. Mm-hmm. But the point is, like Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of homosexuality. It was destroyed because of immorality, mm-hmm. which was mostly sexuality, mm-hmm. which was partially homosexuality. You have to mm-hmm. do it in that order. You have to understand mm-hmm. that the sins of that community and, and, and God had done whatever he could and finally said, I'm done. Jesus looks at this woman who was caught in what at that time was considered the most horrible thing. Mm -hmm. And and, and he said, I do not condemn you. Don't do it again. Go. He actually treated her like a human. Well, Jesus was accused of hanging out with the sinners. He was having dinner with the tax collectors and he was accused of being a wine bibber is what the King James Uh Version said, because he was with the sinners. He was attracted to them. They were attracted to him. Uh, he came to heal them. He came to fix their brokenness. He came to forgive their sin. Right. And in a sense, we well, we follow that example. We we in a big we're supposed way. to. We're supposed to, but right. it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to get out of our comfort zone and do that. Gator, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about um, how do we bring biblical principles into platforms of influence. Mm. So stick with us. We'll be back in a minute. Service Foundation serves to meet the deepest spiritual and social needs of people. We feed and clothe those who are in need, ministering to the sick and the imprisoned, preaching the gospel to the poor, and offering healing and hope to the brokenhearted. Agape has ministered in Kentucky jails and prisons for over 45 years. We have established ministries in Haiti, Bangladesh, and the Dominican Republic. We conduct evangelism training and rescue women and children from life on the streets. Agape Service Foundation supplies chaplains for law enforcement, fire, emergency service, and first responders. And we assist individuals in getting admitted into rehab facilities, working hand-in-hand with the court system. To learn more or how you can help us, visit agapesvf.com. That's agapesvf.com. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson talking with Gator Gaynor, uh, Missionary Radio WNKJ Program Manager and uh, all-around good guy. And we're talking about Christians in the marketplace. And Gator, how do you bring biblical principles into something like a radio talk show that's non, not at a Christian station, sure. not a Christian format? How do you do that? The station that I was working at in Oregon, um, not only was I programming and doing production, but as you mentioned earlier, Denise and I did a two-hour afternoon talk show, mostly about local issues. Mm-hmm. We'd hit national ones uh, occasionally if it, it was important enough to hit, um, and especially if it applied to us locally in Oregon. But for the most part, issues in Oregon. As you mentioned earlier, uh, homosexual marriage was a, a huge thing. I was there when that actually changed. 
uh, and became legal in the state of Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. That was a big push. Transgender issues were happening. Bathroom mm-hmm. issues were happening about mm-hmm. whether or not it was okay, it was appropriate. Yeah. Uh, dignity with death was a big one that kind of came up and came into uh, Oregon because there was a lady who was dying yeah. and she's like, I don't want to die this horrible long death. Mm-hmm. I want to have the right to end my life now. Sure. So, so assisted suicide is what you're talking about. Death with dignity was a term used on the West Coast, but right. we call it assisted suicide right. or just really murder but in see, a sense. When you have somebody else involved that's killing somebody, mm-hmm. I would call it more directly murder. Right. You would and I would yeah. and God probably does. Um, and But this is it's all about the terminology and how it's phrased yeah. because yeah. death with dignity sounds a lot more, well, honestly, dignified yeah. than while well, you committed suicide, because there's still that stigma with that oh. word. Even assisted suicide still sounds weird. Sounds compassionate. It sounds like right. you're caring mm-hmm. when you're helping somebody out of their misery. The difference, though, here is that it really is the purposeful killing. And by the way, people are not pets. We don't just put our people right. down to sleep like we do a pet. Right. And it's a tough but issue, you, and, I, and I don't want to get on that bunny trail, but the, yeah. it is a tough issue when someone's at the end of their life, Doc says, hey, you've got three months and it's going to be a horrible suffering death. Yeah. I feel for it. I don't necessarily have the answer, yeah. but I do know that there's something uncomfortable from a Christian viewpoint of yeah. let's assist this. Yeah. How do you bring in these biblical principles when you're on the air in largely a secular audience? Oregon in the North Pacific Northwest is the most unchurched region of the country largely because missionaries just didn't make it that far. In the rest of the country, we had missionaries that went on all over, all throughout our history. And as we expanded to the West, they just didn't make it in great numbers to the Pacific Northwest. So very secular culture, not a biblical worldview with most of the people. And you're seeing that reflected in the policies. Extreme pro-abortion position. We've got this assisted suicide that's been legal for a long time. You've got legalization of marijuana, recreational marijuana, You've got a number of other gay marriage. That was one of the early states that legalized mm-hmm. homosexual marriage. But how do you as a radio talk show host bring in biblical principles, smuggle those principles in, if you right. will, into your programs? And, and this is that that is a great question. That That is the challenge for a lot of believers is one, you have to know what you believe. Yeah. And two, be ready that anytime that conversation comes up, it's not always starting out with, well, God said yeah. or in the Bible, it said. Yeah. Now, yeah. a lot of Christians will hear this and say, yeah, but. Isn't that where we should start? And I'm like, okay, so I think there's that whole thing about serpents and doves being wise. And part of that being wise is you're not hiding that belief. As a matter of fact, you're stating that belief. Now, I'm a big history guy, and I did enough research when it came to like medical science that that's where I gained a different viewpoint that actually coincides with my biblical viewpoint about, for example, life. Mm -hmm. I did research about life and how it, it, it was conceived. When does it begin? What is that process? What begins life? What ends life? And I did it from a medical science viewpoint. So on the air, if it comes up and someone talks about the abortion issue and it's a woman's right, um, I usually would just bring in like, okay, so here's the thing. Medical science, biology actually supports that it is life because everything about science, true science in the sense of medical science and proving stuff actually supports God's viewpoint on how it works with us. And, And so when I realized that, I learned it from the Christian perspective, and then I was able to turn it back around from the other way and and say, all right, well, let's have a science conversation, because then they're intrigued because their viewpoint is that Christians don't acknowledge and accept science, Mm -hmm. which is not true. True, if you're digging deep into it, you're like, actually, science is supporting 
the viewpoint of God. Science actually yeah. supports the viewpoint of yeah. intelligent design. Yeah. The whole Big Bang, if you get a scientist who seriously will talk yeah. about that, they're like, yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous theory if you so, think about it. So, Gator, what I'm hearing is to educate yourself on the issue, be intelligent when you speak about the issues, and understanding where the person is, too. They're, if it's a non-believer, they're probably not going to believe the Bible and right. might write it off as a myth or mm-hmm. a collection of maybe some wise sayings, but they're not, they're not going to treat it as God's word. So understand where the person is and come in. Uh, with uh, some knowledge of the topic you're going to talk about. How do you maintain, I want to pivot to another issue, how do you maintain your biblical convictions in the secular marketplace? Has that been a challenge to you? Um, When I was younger, yeah, sure. Because there was not that, uh, I would say, confidence spiritually uh, as far as who I was in my relationship with God. Uh, Now I can say for the most part, and I'm sure in 20 years I'll be like, yeah, you didn't know at that time. (laughs) But for now, I look back to where I was in my 20s and I say, you know what? Now it's this confidence of someone challenges and I'm confident in who God is. I'm confident in his existence and his involvement in our life yeah. and in all those issues that everyone always comes up with, whether it's because climate change ultimately comes down to something as simple as it's the modern version of let's argue about evolution. All it is is trying to get God out of the picture mm-hmm. and it's plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And then it's blame humans and get God out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So understanding these things and being knowledgeable in your field. In a way, as we talked about with the plumber earlier, the plumber, the best witness they can be is if they are the best possible plumber they can be. Right. In the radio industry, the best way I can be a good witness is I am the best radio host. And if it's talk radio and we're talking issues like taxes and levies and, you know, city council races, I need to be knowledgeable about that. Otherwise, I just sound like a a Christian windbag, forgive me. Yeah. Uh, who's going out there, who's using this platform to say, well, I'm here just to talk about Jesus. Yeah. That's not what you're hired to do. You're hired to be a radio guy, right. to be knowledgeable and entertaining and all these other things. So so what do you do when you're attacked? I know in Oregon, and we've got just a minute and a half here, so uh, in the, sh- the short response to this, how do you respond when you're attacked over your Christianity or over your views? Understanding that, first of all, Jesus said, uh, it made it very clear, look, if you are actually following me, people will hate you. And I think we've gotten so cushioned in this country that we forget that it can even happen here. And maybe here in the the middle part of the country, it's not as obvious. It's not as dominant. On the West Coast, it's a lot more dominant. And in as much as it's not as horrible as, say, you know, in the Middle East or in Bangladesh and other places where believers are risking their life just to even exist, Mm -hmm. it's not that bad. But it's getting harder. And so to answer the short version of that is simply, man, know who you are in Christ. Know who you are with God. Anchor to that and realize the worst, the worst anyone can do is kill me. And honestly, that's not the worst because for me to live, we all know that phrase. And for me to die. And that is, that's where I have to go, okay, if someone kills me because of what I believe, I go to glory. So, and that's hard for, for the listeners who aren't Christians and tuning in uh, to, to live as Christ and to die as gain is what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for us in our fleshly minds and our physical bodies to get our minds around. Uh, but that is a biblical truth that Christians understand that this life is not all there is and that the only reality is not just the material reality we see, but there is a spiritual reality where we're made in God's image. We're made to walk in relationship with him and that when we leave this earth, that if we are in Christ, we can spend an eternity with him. And that's the good news right. of the gospel. 
Uh, Gator, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for sure. joining us on the uh, Commonwealth Matters. God, we, could, we could have done this for hours. Man. We could have. Hey, God bless you, brother. <laughs> Thanks, man. 